Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. We're so glad that you're here to join us for worship this morning. And uh, welcome also those of you who are joining us via Facebook Live and in our parking lot. And as you can see that we're practicing safe social distancing, but we're just grateful to be in the building, yeah? It's just good to be back in the building. If you're new this morning, we welcome you. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name's Tom. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad to have you here. And if you are new, we'd love for you to pick up one of our welcome packets on the way out on the table between the exit doors. Also, this morning, we will be having communion after the message, uh, and we're going to be doing it in a new way. So we're going to figure this out in a little while. Um, This is a just a new way to do it, and done by many, many churches prior to all of this and other places, just not our particular way. So if you did not pick up one of these, they call it a celebration cup, it's a prepackaged communion cup, and would like to join us in communion after a little while, then please, as uh, we continue, feel absolutely free to go back and pick one up, okay? I do have a couple of announcements this week. How cool is that? The first one is that the Red Cross will be here again this Thursday for a blood drive from 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. And this is, of course, a critical time to be a a blood donor. And i got to tell you how proud I am of you guys. They they love to come here because they always always get, that sounds weird, get more blood than there was their quota or whatever. You, You guys are just so generous with your blood. And so if you would like to schedule a time to come in and give blood, you can do that by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. That should be memorable. I also like to announce that beginning next Sunday, we will not be holding our 12 o'clock service each week. We're roughly seeing about a third of the church ready to come back inside the building at this point, and we totally respect that. Um, And so we have plenty of seating to accommodate uh, everyone in two services. So beginning next week, we'll just be at 9 and 10.30, and we will have children's ministry available two years old through second grade in both of those services. And I'd also like to just thank you guys, you volunteers who, you know, worship people, booth people, children's ministry people, welcome people who have been doing all three services. I just really, truly appreciate what you've done for us to get us going here. And, uh, well, this is the 4th of July weekend, our Independence Day celebration I don't know what your yard was like yesterday, but man, we stood out in our front yard. Many of you know we're kind of a little bit off the, off the road there. And we stood out in our front yard, and all the way around us, we could see these great celebrations, a backyard, I mean, big stuff. Yeah, anybody notice that yesterday? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, maybe we didn't go to the Grove City fireworks, but we saw, we saw uh, 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 just, it was all around us. And I just love it that, you know, we just adapt, right? We just adapt. And we still celebrate. We still celebrate our independence. We celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And it just struck me. I was so happy just to see it all and be out there with Karen watching it in the front yard. And uh, uh, it just struck me again how, how, how wonderful it is to celebrate our Declaration of Independence from sin. Amen? That Jesus Christ came on a cross and he set us free from sin and death. And that's why we come together and celebrate. These are, our, these are our fireworks. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you now, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we do so 
with gratitude, with gratitude, Father, that you continue to fulfill the Psalm 91 blessing over this fellowship. Thank you. And in anticipation, Lord, of in our adapted service times, Lord, just still longing to touch you, longing to be touched by you, longing to connect with you by way of your Holy Spirit. We do celebrate our freedom, Lord. We celebrate our freedom as a nation, and we celebrate our freedom in Christ. And we pray, Father, that you will continue to guide and direct us during these times. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church? Well, we're going to continue through our uh, summer series of exploring the attributes of God, as we have been for the past several weeks. And you may be wondering, why, why are we doing this? Why would we bring a series on the attributes of God in such a time as this? You know, you may be wondering, given the state of affairs in our world and in your life in particular, shouldn't we be talking about like how not to kill your children and stuff like that when you're, you know, or how, how, how to stay married when you're spending so much time together or whatever. <laughs> you know, these are all very real deals for us, I get. But uh, three reasons we're doing this. First of all, I got to play the big card. We prayed. <laughs> You're right. We prayed as we are inclined to do. And that was the sense of leading that we have is that this is really the sense of leading for this particular fellowship. And the uh, second reason is because in these uncertain times, God is certain. <laughs> in these uncertain times, God is still God. God is still on his throne. Nobody has gotten a notch up on him. And so focus on the certainty of God, the certainty of who he is as he reveals himself to us in the Bible. And thirdly, because ultimately the answers that we seek, even for the practical details of our lives, as I just mentioned, they're going to be found in our relationship with the Lord. I mean, we can benefit, we can prosper from the, the teachings and the leadings of other people who have given thought to these things. But at the end of the day... You have a relationship with the living God. And it's there that you're going to find your direction and your strength. Today we want to talk for a few minutes before we celebrate communion about the eternity of God. The eternity of God. What does that even mean? Well, Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, this is a psalm of Moses who said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Catch this. Before the mountains were born... Or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So before anything happened, before anything was made, from everlasting to, go through all of time, everlasting, you are God. That's a powerful thought, isn't it? That before anything was, God was. After anything is, in the sense of time, God will be. The eternity of God is the attribute of God by which he is not bound by time. It's that element of God, that quality of God, that he is not bound by time. We're creatures of time, aren't we? And we, we, we evaluate and measure as we go along. We live a kind of a sequential life, don't we? And we can remember what it was like before, and we can think about what it may be like next, but we're living in a kind of a sequence of time. God is not that way. God is eternal. 
time exists within the context of God's eternity. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, imagine, if you will, a sheet of paper. And it's a sheet of paper with, with no edges. It's just the sheet of paper just goes out into an unbounded eternity and an unbounded infinity. So you can't even say it's a big piece of paper. It's an immeasurable piece of paper. And, and C.S. Lewis said, to understand time, that, that's the eternity of God. And to understand time, draw a short line in the middle of that, in the middle of that page. And time exists within the context of God's eternity. Time had a beginning. Time will have an end. That's hard, isn't it? But in the context of God's eternity, time exists fully, completely within it. You know, it's, it's, it's natural for us to understand or be able to embrace a view of God's eternity that deals with the everlasting nature of God, like the, he's never going to stop. Because we can think forward, can't we? We can think forward. Okay, so God will always be, and in some sense we can think backwards. God always has been. And so when we think of eternity, and we think of the eternity of God, we, we, we're really inclined to think about the quantity of time, aren't we? And so we just keep extending the line of time, right? We, we take that line in the middle of that page, and we say, well, yeah, okay, everlasting. I'm just going to make the line longer. <laughs> That's only part of the eternity of God. And from my view, it's the lesser part of the, of the eternity of God. Um, while we can think about it on and on and on forever, I'd like to focus on another dimension of the eternity of God that I think you might find more interesting than that and more useful. And it has to do with the quality of eternity. The line is the line. And we're on the line somewhere because we're in time. But there's a quality of living on the line in the eternity of God that is so powerful and so practical for us. And that's what I want to share with you. To do that, turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And Revelation is that last book of the New Testament. Uh, It's a a revelation that was received by the Apostle John while he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for being a Christian. And God just poured out vision upon vision upon vision for John to see what was, what is, and what is to come. And in this passage, we're, we're we're seeing a view of what is to come at the consummation of time at the consummation of history. You see, he starts with a time word, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, then. Then. So he's speaking sequentially, isn't he? I saw this, then I saw this, and then I saw this. But this is the last thing. So this is the end. This is the exclamation point of God on time. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So there's an earth with no beach. Aww, right? <laughs> the sea was, uh, for, the, for the people of Israel, the sea was danger. They were not really seagoing people. And so this is, a, this is a reference to, there was no longer any sea. We don't have the threat of that anymore. And he says, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, 
new. That's the third time he said new. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I love this, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no, be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The old order of things is time. And so what he's saying is now at the fulfillment of time, we are going to enter in to an eternity, an eternity with God. Now, as I said, we, we think of eternity as just lengthening the line in a different place. But it's really not that at all. It's to be freed from time. It's to be set free from time altogether. Are you getting that? That's a, that's a lot to embrace, isn't it? But it has a practical application that you're going to see here in just a minute. And in verse 5, he says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I love that. I am making everything new. Catch this. We're at the end of time, right? This new heaven, new Jerusalem, new earth, new existence for the bride of Christ, that's us. We move into that, and God says, not in that point, I made everything new, but I am making everything new. So that this is something that God delights in doing, is just making it new and new and new and new. And so the, the, the part of God that might, might stretch you a little bit, but I think you'll find so encouraging, the part of the eternity of God I want you to get is that it's not just endless days, but it's a perpetual newness. It's not endless days, it's no days. What? It's not endless days, it's no days at all. Because he says, I am making everything new. Now, this helps to answer one of the nagging questions we get caught up in from time to time, right? Which is, what are we going to do in heaven forever, right? I mean, is it just going to be uh, just an endless repetition of the day before it? What are you doing today? Same thing we did yesterday, I guess, you know? I mean, that doesn't even sound like heaven, right? Because even when you enjoy something, remember the first time you ate a chocolate eclair, anybody? I do. It was in the fifth grade. I grew up in California, and we were out at lunch, and Robbie Margolin, my, one of my buddies, well, his, his parents, they moved from, everybody in my neighborhood moved into California from somewhere else because, because every, everything was happening. And he, he was from New York, and they had moved there. And his dad had gone on a business trip to New York and brought back something I had never seen or heard of before, a chocolate eclair. And Robbie said, you want a bite? I'm like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. Now the chocolate long john out here is, is a reasonable substitute, but it's not an eclair, right? Oh my goodness. So when I was dating Karen and, and we were so young and everything, but she just said, you know, I know how to make cream puffs. Would you marry me? <laughs> Remember the first time you had something like that and it was so good? It was good. But if you had it every day, Chocolate eclairs again? Can't we get some salt and vinegar potato chips around here? Gotcha, right? Okay. And so is heaven going to be endless? Even if it was an amazing day after so many billions of them. But that's not what heaven is at all. Heaven isn't, isn't everlasting time in that sense. Heaven is 
timelessness. Because he's making all things new. So that every time you take the bite of the eclair, it's the first time. This is a little mind-blowing, right? So if you get to heaven before me and I come up and say, how long you been here? You say, I, I just got here today. And then the next day we'll say, I just got here. I just got here. Because God is making all things new. Hello? I love this. Okay, so that helps to deal with that question about later, but what about presently, experiencing the eternity of God in the here and now? Well, in John 5, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. I love it when he rolls out with that, don't you? He's, he's that so many times. In the King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. Uh, I tell you the truth. He said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Has eternal life. You've got to notice the verb tenses. First of all, we, we, as believers, do you believe, do you believe Christ? Do you, do you trust Christ? Yes or no, church? Okay. Then, then guess what you don't have to worry about, and that's the judgment. Because whoever hears my word and believes whom he sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. That Jesus Christ paid the full price on the cross for us so that that verse in Romans, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. That's the beginning of eternal life right now, is stop fearing the future. Stop fearing the judgment. Because he, Jesus said, you will not be condemned. But also look, he says, you don't also even have to worry about the transition from here to there. Because it says, I tell you the truth, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Listen to the tense. He has crossed over from death to life. It's already done. It's already done. You're, you're already dead. Crossed over from death to life. These are the words of Jesus. I'm not making this stuff up, right? You've already crossed over. So our eternal life, which he says... Whoever hears my word and believes to him and sent me has eternal life, not will have eternal life, has it, there's the, there's the third verb tense I want you to get, has it, it's already yours, Barry, you have it now, you're meant to experience it now, that, that the eternal life is living not, not with this sense of, oh, I'm going to have everlasting days, which in a sense is part of it, but the bigger part of it is I am now living in the perpetual newness of God's eternity. This is fun. So that whole 2 Corinthians 5.17 bit, where it, where it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. <laughs> a new creation. When did time begin? Time began at creation when God created that's when the line starts. Guess what? When you came into Christ, you became a new creation. You got lifted from the line and into eternity. So now you're somewhere out on that blank sheet of paper. Not bound by time, not worried about the future, not concerned about your death, but you have eternal life. And the eternity of God comes and says, 
I want to make stuff new in your life. And the dimension of eternity I'd really like for you to think about is the quality of life with which you are, into which you are being invited. It's a quality of encountering God now. Wow, how do we encounter God? It's, this is all kind of a practice for heaven, isn't it? It's kind of a practice for heaven. It, it, we're, we're going to be in heaven as believers, as the bride, for eternity. And in that, we will be living in the newness of God. So this is, as we, as we learn to encounter that in the here and now, because Jesus says, has eternal life, as we learn to encounter that now, then we're practicing for heaven. We're working out for heaven, right? Feel the burn, right? We're working out for heaven. You know, there's a sense in which the newness of God, in this newness of God, time stands still. I want you to think about times in your life when time has just stopped. You lost track of time. What was happening? You were so engrossed in what was happening that you, you, you forgot about time. Where are the places that that happens for you? Anybody? Oh, you didn't know I was going to ask a question, did you? Think about, are there places and spaces in your life where you're inclined to lose track of time? Anybody want to volunteer one? Janet? Okay. Okay. So what you heard was there's a place in West Texas. <laughs> what you heard was there's a camp in West Texas and there's a chapel in a particular place and when she goes there into that chapel, she loses track of time because uh, you encounter in in your own personal unique ways the presence of God in your life. Good. Anybody else? Peggy. The prayer tower in India, yeah, okay, so in India, the people that we've been associated with for so long, there's a prayer tower there, and it's a round building with an upstairs and a downstairs, and you go in there, and people from all over the world have come there to pray, and you're just caught up in this heritage of prayer, yeah, you lose track of time. What time is it? It doesn't matter what time it is, right? Even if there's something pressing, it doesn't matter anymore. Anybody else? Jenica, then we'll get to Hunter. When you have your babies, I'll, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just, like, lose track of time. Time doesn't matter, right? I know, I know. I, that happens more with grandkids. Grandkids are better than kids, by the way. See if you can skip the kids and go right to the grandkids. They're really so much better. But I've got this space. I've told you about it before, right here, right? It's where they fit, ages one to three. After three, you can pretty much have them, right? But because they... As Karen says, they start to get opinions. But when I'm holding one of those wee ones right here, and my son Brian's the same way. Don't deny it. I've seen you do it. You, you, you lose track of time doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the experience is so rich. Hunter, last one. <laughs> you sit on the railing on the bridge out on the wall. For those of you who may not know, the wall is the path around the property where people come and pray. And, and there's a little bridge. And you sit on the railing. 
He said, utter peace, and he forgets where he is. You know, that's eternity. That's entering into a kind of timelessness. Time stands still. It just stands still. This time last year, I was on a Finding Jesus tour with some high school kids, and we were running around the state of Ohio looking for Jesus, and there was, there was this one afternoon where we encountered this in this church and this pastor that we just randomly walked into to use the bathroom, and we spent at least two hours, maybe three hours in there, and that pastor, that lady pastor just took time to pray for each one of the kids, and I had, it, we just lost complete track of time because it was so powerful and so rich. Eternal life is the perfect assurance of everlasting life in the future. Do you have that perfect assurance of everlasting life in the future? It takes all the fear away. And eternal life is also the amazing release into timelessness, into the here and, in, into here and now. Now, there are different ways we can enter into the timeless eternity of God. The wonderful peace uh, that re- is released in times of extended prayer, the peace that comes when you just keep praying, keep praying, stay with it, stay with it until you get the peace. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's eternity. The emotional engagement we can find when we worship God. We can find this actual emotional engagement, our emotions with the emotion of God and his love for us when we release ourselves in worship. A dynamic filling and refilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Holy Spirit wants to invade us, wants to control us, wants to glorify himself through us. And it requires us just to come back and say, fill me, Lord. Here I am again. Fill me, Lord. The timeless rest that we can receive when we practice a Sabbath. You know, the Lord said one of the commandments was you to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. That you're going to work, 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 work. But you know what? You need to stop your work and let me work in you. And you just enjoy that time. One of the ways God invites us to experience a moment of eternity is in the Lord's Supper. It's in this cup right here. And so I'd just like for you to take this and, you know, you have to bring your own faith to this act of coming into the presence of the Lord. And this is a little different. If you look on it, we'll take a minute to explain it. And there's, a, there's a thin top on it, a thin little cellophane top that if you pull it back, you will find it uncovers the bread. Okay. All right. Might take a little more effort on your part to really come in and experience the presence of the Lord because this is such a new thing for us. But this is still, nonetheless, this is the better way to do it right now. And so just take that and just peel that top off first, okay? And remember that whatever it is, this is a symbol of something. That we use oyster crackers from Kroger. You know that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at all apologetic or embarrassed to say that. Because it has nothing to do with this and has everything to do with this. Some of you were in a parking lot service when we had communion together without elements. And the powerful move of the Holy Spirit came into those cars. But this is a time to enter into the eternity of God. 
God has said, I've got your future all wrapped up, and I want to also just envelop you in your presence now. Would you just take a moment to enter into that place? The Bible says that on the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Lord, I bring my faith to that wafer that seems so foreign to my tongue, but I bring my faith to it, Lord, knowing that it's not about that, it's about you and your invitation to come. And then you may peel that larger foil back carefully. This is a symbol. It's about your faith. Jesus said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you drink of it, this do in remembrance of me. And then you'll just hold on to this and dispose of it on your way out for now. Lord, we love you. We love it that you love us. We're in love with you, Lord, and we're in love with your love for us. We thank you, O Lord, that you invaded eternity with time and called us into being. And we thank you that you invaded time and called us into eternity. And we come fully trusting in the name and work of your own son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, was laid in a tomb, and on the third day arose. And we put all of our faith and all of our trust in that reality now. Come, Holy Spirit, as we worship you now and enter in to your eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand with